Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Hello and welcome to Stop It's Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have uh, Logan Stump. Hello there. And Matt Hartgrove. Hi. I don't, I don't have a good one. That was a good I, one, Logan. That I was almost, nice. I almost said, uh, <laughs> I almost said Matt first again and I was like, I had to think about it. That's why I just said, here's Logan. Like I was like, yeah. what is the correct... <laughs> What is the correct uh, what is the correct one here? Um, yes, we are back to be talking some as we get closer to the Christmas crunch, as I like to call it, of the Premier League season. Uh, we did have a game postponed, Aston Villa Newcastle on Friday. Um, so now that means Aston Villa is what two less games than everybody at this point, uh, or than most people. Yes. Yeah, they still have nine. Uh, yeah, they still have nine, while most teams are on 11, and you still have the United City, um, Burnley at 10, and now Newcastle at 10, because they missed a game against Villa. So um, so we'll be talking a little bit about the top half of the table and how that's shaking out. And we'll be going through all of these fun matches that happened uh, over the weekend, but before we do, Logan, tell us how was your week? Uh, it was good. I didn't really have. I mean, we're kind of winding down at school for another break, so we're kind of in this weird limbo. But that, it's been a pretty good week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of my time has been spent trying to figure out how to get a PlayStation Five. So I'm making like random stops at Walmart because that seems to have worked for a lot of people lately. So. Guess I'll be stopping by and seeing what's going on, and hopefully get a PS5 so I can play the new version of FIFA. Wait, is that uh, not everybody has a PlayStation Five? Oh, real? Just me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh huh. Sure. Yep. Yep. And if it goes missing, you'll know where it goes. <laughs> I will say though that uh, the FIFA update is really good. I, I played a little bit of it just to check out like the new models and that, and the way yeah, it works models in the, the game now. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say Ronaldo is pretty much a Jordan, model. Jordan, you're married. <laughs> Ronaldo is pretty much a model as it is. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was that was pretty good. Uh, the way it handles with the new controller feels really great. Um, like I texted you guys, like when I hit the when the ball hit the back of the net, like I, I could feel it on the controller. It just felt uh, really great. Um, 
I still really want a COVID mode in there, though. I don't know. They're never going to do it, I don't think. But I would just love COVID mode where you're just playing in an empty stadium. Um, <laughs> you could also call it like oh, the, the, you know, uh, behind closed doors mode when, when there's too much racial abuse and stuff. Uh, you could, you know, why, why not make it a little realistic, right? Um, turn it on and off, at least. Uh, Matt, how was your week? Uh, you know, uh, what was it? It was week after Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, family was in town, so we got to go, go around Florida, hang out a little, um, did some homework. Almost all I have left is a final and it's up this current class I'm in. And then I'll be halfway done my degree well, my master's degree. So that's exciting. Um, but yeah, just a lot of, uh, running around. I'm actually pretty tired <laughs> I feel pretty exhausted because that was the most, like, I think since the closure and that was probably the most I've been out in the Orlando area, um, just, you know, going around having dinner and stuff, which was fun to kind of get out there. But now I'm like, Oof, I'm a little, a little tired today, but I'll get through it. You live in Florida? I didn't know that. <laughs> don't, don't yeah. fall asleep on us, uh, Matt. <laughs> oh, no, I'm awake. Um. No, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I congratulate anybody that went back for a master's. I've seen a lot of people going back to that, and I just can't do it. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> There's, it, it's like weird. There's moments where you're like, oh man, this was such a good idea, and then you know it's it's Sunday night and you have homework, and all you want to do is like you know watch football, watch TV, but you can't because you have to do some sort of homework that you didn't have to do six for the last six years. You're like, well, this sucks. Why did I do this? Yeah, I'm just so done out of the homework game now. I don't want to ever get back into it. Especially, you know, eventually I'm going to have a kid and I'm going to have to help them with theirs. Ugh. Nah, they'll learn. <laughs> um, but what's your major? What's your major? Is it the same as when was, you were? Yeah, I was okay. uh, financial economics and now I'm getting uh, business administration master's. Ooh. So, I it's basically Excel. I spend all my homework on Excel. Sounds great. So Maybe you can make guys... us a spreadsheet for our show or something sometime. Oh, I could make a spreadsheet. <laughs> I could. I could put all the scores and stuff in a spreadsheet. You know, just do something with the spreadsheet. That's your homework for this next yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> expected goals or expected var calls in the game. That's what you can do. I could do a spreadsheet. I could run it through. I could create something called a pivot table. I could also create, oh, I know pivot tables. Um, I could do something where like we get like the best possible answer through something called Solver, like Family Feud. Could, yeah, kind of, except like with numbers. Oh, uh, okay. Certainly, there's numbers in that too. I'll have to look into it. I'll do expected amount of times Man City become relegated this year. All for Logan. Kind of mean, to be honest. Well, you're the Jordan, one that said how there was relegation. So. so instead of family feud, it'd be like the Fibianchi, Fibianchi feud, right? Because those are yeah. numbers. Um, uh, my week was uh, okay, I guess. It goes by fast, and then, you know, the weekend goes by even faster, and um, didn't get done, like, anything I wanted to get done over the week 
Uh, it's been a bit since, like, I, I really only played probably, like, three matches in FIFA, and that was all I was able to do just because of chores and uh, other things that I was trying to work on. So, uh, but other than that, it, it's been fine. I'm pumped for tonight because I'll be talking about this on Stateside Soccer Show, but it's the uh, Western MLS conference final uh tonight at 9 30 so i'll be watching that after i'm done editing this and putting that up and i'll probably be talking about those two matches sometime this week and then wednesday is the u.s men's friendly against el salvador so i'm gonna be talking about that at some point on that show as well so i guess that's a good segue back to soccer and moving on to the games from baltimore Baltimore Ravens play tomorrow. Tomorrow, too. yeah, the much coveted Tuesday night football slot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> much better though, I guess, than the Tuesday, the Wednesday Morning. afternoon slot that it was yes. uh, last week. <laughs> uh, I can actually watch this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so let's move on to the games from the weekend. Like I stated, Friday's match was suspended or postponed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't think we have a date for that yet. Uh, Burnley faced off against Everton in the first uh, match of the weekend then. And that match finished 1-1. Three minutes in, Robert Brady Brady scores for Burnley. Then 45 plus three minutes uh, of stoppage there at the end of the half. Uh, Calvert-Lewin scores continues to score but not enough uh, not enough for Everton not saying he didn't score enough just that Everton did not score enough uh, they did have 13 shots to Burnley's eight uh, and more of the possession 59 to 41 we know how bad Burnley has been this year but uh, Everton kind of drifting back into the middle of the pack Ninth place is where they currently sit here after that hot start, which I think most people figured would eventually happen. Um, uh, We're also starting to get fans back into the stands now as well. I'm not sure what was the first game this weekend that had it. I know Chelsea did on that Saturday match as well. West Ham, I think, probably did as well because they're one. Yeah, it was United. It was United and West Ham that had the first fans. Um. But yeah, so any thoughts, uh, Logan, on Burnley Everton one one on Saturday? Um, Burnley's really lucky they have Nick Pope because I think without him they don't really have much. And watching them, I, I really do think that they are in a lot of trouble with relegation. I think they'll be flirting with it if not stuck in that zone for the next couple months here because I, I do. I, I they just really struggle to create anything uh, offensively on the attack. And and in this game, they played probably the best game they've played in a while. And still, they, they still struggle to score. They still struggle to beat teams. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I don't see this ending very well for them. Matt, any thoughts on uh, either of these two teams in this matchup? Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Everton have, Everton just were kind of pretenders at the start of the year. Um, 
I don't know what it sounds odd because they have they do have some big name players and Ancelotti's such a big name coach, but it it's like something is wrong. It, there's no way one injury should be causing all of this. And I know Digne is a big part of their team, but for him to be out and this happening, there just there must be something else going on there. I don't know if Ancelotti's not playing the right players. I don't know if he is needing to change things up, but you know, ever since they beat Liverpool two to two, it really looks <laughs> their only points really have come from I think it was a win against Fulham and then they drew a different game besides the one they just did. And I can't remember which one that was, because I know that they had seven or five points um, in a certain time span. But they they just look really off kilter and I their schedule is not gonna be any easier. Um, upcoming here, they get Chelsea this upcoming Saturday, Leicester midweek, Arsenal, which is kind of easy um, with how they're playing, Manchester United. Then they get a little brief at Sheffield, and then they face Man City. Oh, Man United is Carabao Cup, but still, like that's that's six games in a two-week span, and pretty much all of those teams besides Sheffield, well, all those teams besides Sheffield are big name, can play up to the occasion, and I there's a lot of reasons to worry over there. Manchester City squeak past Fulham here, 2-0. Uh, what was going on here? <laughs> uh, just hey, kidding. I mean, it was a win. It was a win. Uh, but it was, uh, I think most people, I think Matt suggested this could have been uh, before the game kicked off. Didn't you say something like 5 nothing in our text thread or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Manchester was... City <laughs> had 15 shots. <laughs> And sixty-nine percent possession, uh, but only convert the two chances. They convert early too. Uh, Raheem Sterling five minutes in, and then a Kevin De Bruyne penalty twenty-six minutes in, and that's all she wrote. That's there's no yellow cards. There was three substitutions on Fulham, and that was it. That was the game facts. All the options, yeah, really... all the action. Yeah. They like Pep said that the reason why they um, only had they didn't have any subs was because of all the games coming up. But somebody said that they he thought he was they were he was sending a message to people that he was only going to play the people that are playing well or something. I don't know, but yeah, it it had the feels of of City of old because they they really like I know they're playing Fulham uh, and they play Burnley, but it, it does start to feel like they're they're starting to run out and get ahead with with De Bruyne at the at the you know lead of the attack um so that's always good when you can get him involved and just the way that he's been playing um he's starting to look scarier again um can get assist whenever he needs to um and then with Aguero assuming that he comes back for for the derby uh for a couple of um minutes there I think that City are starting to look a little bit better I think that the attack looks much better than it did but again it's really hard to tell when you play Burnley and Fulham back to back just how good you're really going yeah um does that make any sense from Pep his logic there of we have a lot of games coming up so I'm not going to use any subs because I <laughs> I think it would and be the saying, opposite <laughs> yeah well they said they were like well they they said that they he seemed frustrated um, with some of the guys that that were there, 
now Laporte has kind of fallen out of favor, I guess. Uh, he and Pep supposedly got into it, uh, which seems to be a common thread with Pep and any defender that you want. No, because that breaks knees. Um, but, I mean, I think that it is worrisome because it's like, okay, so you, you say we need rest, but then you're going out and playing these guys that don't ever play 90 minutes, 90 minutes, and it's like like Gundawan and all of them are playing 90 minutes. Um, soon he'll have Fernandinho out there, and I'm pretty sure Fernandinho will just collapse at that point. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see where you're – the thought process wasn't there. So when he said that, it, that's what I think people jumped all over and said, eh, there's more to him not playing other people. All right. Um, anything else on, on this match at all, Matt? Your perspective of Manchester City, Fulham, or anything um, else about these two? It just felt like the, it felt like such an easy game to, to watch as a Manchester City fan because... Fulham just don't have a lot of talent where Manchester. Um, I don't know how Logan felt about it, but I feel like there was not one point he was probably concerned <laughs> in the game. Um, and I the, hold on, uh, we all know how scary Fulham is to their own fan base. <laughs> but I, I know I should talk nicely about him because it's Liverpool's next opponent. Um, well, I, Fulham just doesn't have the talent to stack up to it, and Manchester City are still one of the top three teams in the Premier League, no matter how you want to look at the way the season's gone so far. I I can't imagine them not being there in the top four, even top maybe two, how the season goes out. Just because Pep, he, he always has talent. He knows how to, for the most part, knows how to use it. And I just, I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to look at these games and go, they're definitely back because they are facing the two worst defensive teams at that point um, in the league. However, they are doing what they should be doing, which is beating them and beating them soundly, which is something they struggled at last year um, with certain teams like Norwich. You know, that game at the beginning of the year is such a big deal. Um, but, you know, if he keeps them away from those types of results, I don't see a reason why City is not in the championship talk all season long, even with their slow start. Next up, the first game with fans in a long time here. West Ham won. Manchester United 3, so the fans didn't even help them, I guess. Uh, poor guys. Um, uh, Want to point something out here. We had a uh, Donny Van de Beek uh, little cameo here. He, he started the match one of his first times, I believe, starting a match. Um, and then we... Eight minutes in, so check scores for uh west ham to put them up one nail it gets to halftime and there's three subs right off the bat or two subs right off the bat sorry beaks out at that point Vanda bakes out bruno fernandez in marcus rashford in for cavani a few minutes later like less than 20 mata comes in for martial three minutes after that paul pogba scores assisted by bruno fernandez Three minutes later, Mason Greenwood scores. Marcus Rashford scores. 78 minutes in, assisted by Juan Mata. And United come back from behind, and it's 3-1. They have the most points from coming from behind. So that is... Uh, you can never count... The, I feel like this is, what, the second... 
week in a row where this has happened now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, second in a row. Yeah, because Cavani did it uh, last week. Like, South yeah. Southampton won it. Yeah, yeah, and it, and and that one they had to come back from two goals. This one they only had to come back from one, but they got a, you know an extra one as well to help put it away. Um, that's that's United for you right now. They're all the way up to sixth place now, only four points out of first. And only a point out of fourth. Uh, no, two points out of fourth. Sorry. I was looking at the wrong team there. And five points from first. Uh, so they're they're very close. And uh, they have a game in hand as well. So if they win that game in hand, they will have 22 points. And they would be tied. Uh, they'd be in fourth place right below Chelsea. Uh, we also got some news of Paul Pogba today. His agent saying that Pogba is pretty much done at United and that he wants to leave. Um, he hasn't had a great spell at United. I don't know how much of that's on Pogba and how much of that's on how they play him because he's been successful elsewhere. But uh, I think Pogba probably uh, he has been successful for France. He's been successful you know, at Juve. We'll see where he goes next if that's true. Uh, if he does leave, could be agent posturing, I guess. But uh, he just never really fit in there. For people that don't know, what's interesting here is Pogba was a youth product at Manchester United, and then got you know played a little bit, I think, for them back then uh, when Ferguson was still there, and then he was constantly like loaned out, and then eventually you know, went overseas and, and started playing uh, at Juventus from 2012 to 2016. Yeah, he only had three appearances at Manchester United before that. And he's come back. And for all the talk of people thinking that he hasn't been too successful at United, really when we look at his stats compared to Juventus, they're pretty close. Juventus for four years, 124 appearances, 28 goals. 2016 to now for United, 116 appearances, 26 goals. Um, he's not just also a goal scorer. He's you know more of a you know midfielder that can play in a variety of ways. But uh, it's just interesting that you know they always kind of paint him as a failure there. When I think this, they haven't really built much around Pogba the way that Juventus had not really built around him, but he just fit all of these big stars there. Really, United have not had that in these last four years um, at all. But sounds like he's going to be leaving, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, Logan, your thoughts on fans in the stands, United coming from behind, and any Pogba thoughts you have? I think that uh, the best the best video that came out of it, and I retweeted it through our account, uh, was you'll never walk alone with the Liverpool fans at Anfield that just that gave me chills. And, and then also when Klopp does his little, whatever he does, uh, his punches at the fans um, on the, on the home end, he, he gets them all riled up and it, it's just so cool. Cause you can see, and especially with Klopp because he's, he's, yeah, all the hugs and stuff, which isn't good for pandemic stuff. But um, when you really look at it, though, it's such a cool thing to see fans again. And over here in the United States, we just completely ignored any fact of the, of the pandemic, really, when it comes to sporting events. Um, we do have distancing, but we let in a lot more than we probably should, especially here. 
but it is cool because in England, it, you can just tell how much football means to them and how much, uh, you know, that community gets behind their their teams. And, like, the bubbles at West Ham, like, that was something that they were pointing out was they when they do those bubbles and they freak out. Um, I don't know. It's just really cool to hear fans again. And, and then I was listening to the Brighton game, and they do some really weird stuff. Um, but I, I think it's fun. Um but again, I think it's it's really cool to see fans in in the stadiums, and it really makes me want to go there and visit when things are settled down, so I can go and sit in amongst those fans because they're a lot more into it than I think sporting uh, or sports fans are over here. But uh, as far as Pogba, um, I, I kind of I, I feel like I saw this coming because it it seems like every time that he gets removed from the pitch, he gets to where he gets like real dejected looking and. He kind of looks at Ollie like, are you serious? Um, me, you're going to put Van de Beek in? And Van de Beek's confused, too, because he doesn't know where the pitch is half the time. Um, but I don't know. I, To me, you know, Pogba's a concern. I think that this this lineup that he runs out in the starting 11 would be more of a panic button kind of thing. Yeah, they're sitting pretty at the table right now. But, uh, you know, relying so heavily on the, the comeback win, um it's not always going to get it done. And I think he's still trying to do things, change gears to try and find a United team that can play, you know, competitively with the big boys, but I'm not sure that he can play up in the big, you know, the big leagues with us yet. Like I, I, you know, there's a lot going on and with Bruno Fernandez being pretty much the only one that seems to be doing anything right now um, besides Cavani, maybe, I don't know. United seem to be, uh, stuck in mud somewhat, but I, I'm sure that they'll beat City like 12 to nothing or something on Saturday just to smash my face into it. But yeah, those are my thoughts on on the two. Matt, any of your thoughts on fans in the stands, the Zebras making a comeback against the Hammers and uh, <laughs> and uh, Paul Pogba? <laughs> um. I mean, it's obviously great to see the fans. I think that's it was really cool to see. I didn't get to really see a lot with the Liverpool one um, at the start of it, um, but I, I could tell not only from responses throughout the games that the fans definitely made a difference. I think I saw it in the Tottenham Arsenal game too. You can really see it's just nice to see people back in sporting events again, um, especially with how awfully things have gone over here. <laughs> Um, and the fact that I don't know when we'll ever, I know we've had some NFL games, but like, I don't know. It just hasn't seemed like the same. Um, and football, I mean, European football is all about the fans. It's, it seems like, and those fans can make such a difference in the games. Um, so it was, it was great to see it in terms of United. I, I watched that whole, I watched the majority of that game. Um, in the first half with Van de Beek and Cavani on, they, they looked lost. Um, I don't know if that is on either of those players. I don't know what happened, but the moment they brought on Fernandez, the game just took a turn for the better for United. And you can see how influential he is to that team, no matter how much we probably don't want to see it go well, because we're not big United fans um, based off of our other affiliations. But I mean, he changed the whole game and they just looked, they looked different. I don't, I don't think they're good enough to, to overtake any of the, top three you know I don't think they can really compete with Chelsea City Liverpool just because there's there's something about watching them where I just don't see it yet um 
but they definitely know how to win when Oleg needs it, which could be a good or bad thing if you want him gone because they just seem to know how to win when they probably are one loss away from firing him and then he pulls some magic out. Um, so I, they were impressive. They seem to know how to win on the road. And I, I mean, they're up there for a reason too. I, I, I actually was pretty impressed with watching them that, that second half. All right. Um, the next match here was uh, Chelsea three leads one. Um, four minutes in, former Chelsea youngster Patrick Bamford scored for Leeds to make it one nil. Uh, Twenty-seven minutes in, Giroud scored, uh, continued his hot form to make it one-one. Kurt Zuma continues scoring off corners and set pieces to make it 2-1 in the 61st and then Christian Pulisic back from injury he came in 30 minutes in because of Zayek uh, having a injury and he scores 90 plus three minutes in to make it 3-1 there was that crazy moment uh, before Giroud scored where I think it was where it looked like the ball was going into the bottom right corner and Werner is there to tap it in and he clears it almost is the way it comes off of his foot like he mistimed it um so that was uh that was pretty wacky uh but finishes 3-1 Leeds had more possession total shots were well in Chelsea's favor 23-8 you know, they, they they got the job done that they needed to get done, and now that moves them up to third place, which is actually probably where they were, I think, anyway. Um, they were at first place until, like, the next day when Tottenham and Liverpool played. Um, but, uh, Logan, your thoughts on Chelsea and this Leeds uh, match and Leeds as a whole, who's uh, still above Arsenal. They're in 14th. Yeah, so every time I watch Chelsea, I'm more and more convinced that they are a really good side that's just only going to get better from here, which is really scary to say because, you know, it's kind of like that Chelsea of old that just scared the hell out of you, except this. And he seems to, Lampard seems to have figured out how to get these guys on defense playing well, which is even scarier. Um, just because I have nightmares about defenses um, that have still not gotten out of my head. Um, when Mourinho used to just park the bus and sit there on us. Um, it's just, it, it seems like Chilwell plays well all the time. Tiago plays well all the time. Zuma's figured out, you know, how to play. It's it's scary. Uh, Giroud comes out of nowhere, and, and now he's playing well. When I, there were, I swear, like the week before, I was reading all sorts of stuff where he wanted out and he was pissed, and um, then he gets in there, and now he's scoring like crazy. Um, and didn't he score? He how much did he score in Champions League? Because didn't he have did four? He have he four. Had That's four. right. Yeah, <laughs> that was lovely. Um, you know, just stuff like that. And then Pulisic not really being like he's not really back to full strength. Uh, Werner hasn't quite gotten on the mark as well. Um, but then Zayat plays well, and you know, it's just one after the next, after the next, after the next. If you want to talk about deep teams, I think Chelsea definitely is a name that comes up. And then, again, they, they lead the league in clean sheets with five. Um, Edward Mendy, 
um, might be one of our biggest signings. Um, and Keppa probably should start packing his crap um, because I don't think that's ever going to come back to him. Um, but again, like Matt and I have talked about, and Jordan was reluctant to say, only because I think Jordan was, he doesn't want to be seen as the rose-colored glasses. But I think that Chelsea is easily uh, probably the best team in Premier League right now. Because I think that they've just got everything firing on all cylinders. And I think that even Tottenham um, don't really play well against this Chelsea team. Still say you're drunk. Uh, I think that uh, Tottenham and Liverpool are still better than Chelsea. I think it's going to take a while. I I, I think if there's going to be a clear year for Chelsea, I think next year is probably... The better opportunity and the better chance of 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 winning the title. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Matt, your thoughts on Chelsea versus Leeds? Uh, I mean, I I think it was what I expected. Chelsea. I think Logan and I. I know he was saying the same thing, but it's Chelsea are a good team, and the fact that you can have a guy get hurt and you bring on Pulisic who, I mean, because of injury, has barely played. So he's he's pretty well rested. Um, it's it's just a dangerous team. Um, Mendy's definitely changed. It seems like the whole outlook of the defense. And, you know, Zuma, I didn't realize how good of a player he is, but he seems to pretty much, yeah, I think he's probably better than Silva, in my opinion. I mean, maybe I don't watch him enough, but he seems to be the anchor on that defense. Um yeah, they've they've been impressive. I I do think Werner and Havertz have definitely struggled. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued to see how they progress as the year goes on. Werner just seems not to be able to finish as well as he was, but Havertz has just seemed overwhelmed. I don't know if he isn't strong enough. I don't know if he isn't playing quick enough. I don't know what I know. The Bundesliga is a lot more open um, than you know, a lot of the other leagues offensively, but the Premier League definitely has it in physicality. So maybe he's just struggling with just adjusting and might take a year or two. So I think I, I'm intrigued to see how they kind of continue on the rest of the year. But I mean, Chelsea's a good team. I They're going to be up there at the whole, they're going to be in the top three, to, I would say, the rest of the year. I also think they're better than Tottenham. I think Tottenham just kind of get away with, Kane and Son just going nuts. And if I think if you stop either of them like Chelsea did, you just see a Tottenham team that just don't have much forwards, uh, like going forward. Uh, So they're impressive. And Leeds, you know, they they made a game of it up until it seemed like once they went behind, they just didn't know how to come back. Um, And that's probably going to happen for them the rest of the year. Against these top teams, if they fall behind, they might struggle. But they both played well. But Chelsea, they're just – they're above a lot of the other teams in talent wise, depth wise, and it's kind of just on to Lampard to see what he does with it. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, Crystal Palace versus West Brom. This one got out of hand, uh, mainly due to a red card here. Um, five to one, Crystal Palace won. There's an own goal by Darnell Furlong, uh, eight minutes in to give Crystal Palace the lead. Then uh, Connor Gallagher tied it up 30 minutes in. But 34 minutes in, Matias or Mateus uh, Pereira uh, gets a red card. 
We come back out for the second half. Zaha scores to make it 2-1, 55 minutes in. Christian Benteke makes it 3-1, 59 minutes in. Zaha scores to make it 4-1, 68 minutes in. And then in the 82nd minute, Benteke scores to make it 5-1. And Palace, I got to give it to you here, Logan, again here. They're in 11th. Uh, They're pretty well out of the relegation zone. (laughs) If Zaha uh, goes down, they're screwed. (laughs) Benteke does well. He did well. Yeah, when he plays. He doesn't play as much, though. I'm not just... I don't know. I I, I always you're just trying to justify it. <laughs> <laughs> I always do. I really do. I feel bad because I feel bad for any palace people out there that ever want to listen. Um, because I just really just I root against them. I because I think I made that prediction and I'm like I don't really want to see them do well and I don't really like Zaha either. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I feel bad now. <laughs> um. Any thoughts on these two teams at all before we go over to Matt? Uh, there's, I don't think there's much to say about this game. West Brom, you know, 19th spot. They're they're very far down. I think they're going to get lucky, though. I, I think I think if you look at it, um, I think they actually might be able to fight for, to stick around in the Premier League because I, I think. Fulham's going to be down there with them, hanging out still. I think Burnley remains down there, and, and Sheffield really helps them. Um, you know, at least have a chance to stay up because I don't think Brighton, because Brighton's played pretty well against teams that um, that they should, you know, that they shouldn't even be competing with, but they are competing well with them. Um, maybe, hell, maybe Arsenal falls down that far. I don't know, but I think West Brom, if they can figure out how to score. Um, they seem to lock down people pretty well. I mean, this one got out of hand because Zaha went absolutely nuts, but um, and the red card didn't help. But I, I think West Brom's going to be helped out by Sheffield this year. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not going to get relegated, but having Sheffield not play well this year helps the bottom four or five teams that are down there. Matt, any thoughts on Crystal Palace and, and uh, lowly West Brom here? No, I I didn't get to watch too much of it either. Um, honestly, I mean Palace are better than West Brom, and I you know that red card probably played that red card plays a huge role. Um, that kind of shows you how much better Palace are though than a team like West Brom, and why Palace are probably mid table. Palace are more mid table, where West Brom will be fighting relegation. I don't think even with the red card, you know, I I, I actually think if if it rolls reversed, West Brom could have won, but it would have definitely not have been you know, five to one. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't really have much else with it. The Palace winning a game they should win, and I'm clearly going to keep them away from that relegation that Logan wants them to go through. Hey, only just a year. They can come back next year. <laughs> um, Sheffield United won Leicester City two is the next match. Uh, 24 minutes in, Iose Perez scored for Leicester City to make it 1-0. Uh, 26 minutes in, Oliver McBurney scores to make it 1-1. I feel like this is one of the first times I've said Sheffield has scored on this podcast uh, this season. Then Jamie Vardy <laughs> scores in stoppage time to make it 2-1. He does a slide tackle on the corner flag totally shatters and destroys it uh 
a little dangerous. He probably could have hurt himself doing that. Um, but Lester eke one out against the Sheffield, who are sitting ugly, I guess, at the bottom of the table. They're definitely not sitting pretty. Negative uh, 13 goal differential, one point still in their whole season. They were very close to getting that second point until Vardy scored. Uh, they've got one draw and 10 losses. This is a pretty brutal start for Sheffield, who were, you know, the the darlings of last season at, at one point. My manager of the year pick is just going to hell right now. So is mine. <laughs> I uh, was Arteta, and he is sitting 15th. But, you God. know, he's above yours, at least, I guess. <laughs> who is mine? I, uh, did you pick I Brendan Rodgers? I think. I I'll have to go check. I, I, think I, have it, I think I have it written down. I might have these. I think written. he had Brendan. As I have, uh, Chris Wilder will be. Uh, he'll be lucky just to have a job, let alone win Manager of the Year by the end of this season. And with all these congested pictures, like this is the time of year when they can these guys. I mean, I think Village is is on. Like, if you have betting odds, who do you think's first? Do you think Wilder or Village? Uh, I don't think Wilder is. I don't think he's in danger anytime soon because of what he's been able to do. Plus, I believe he's from the area. I know that shouldn't mean much, but I, I'm pretty certain he's kind of like a hometown, um, hometown coach. So I don't think he. I really don't think he's in danger right now. I think if he can't get them, I could see it being a scenario where they might not even sack him and see if he can bring him back up from the championship, just because of of who he is and what he really means to that team. But, I mean, you, one point through, what, 11 games for them, right? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah. That, that, that would get... I don't, I don't know how many people that would really... I don't know how many could survive that, um, no matter the circumstance. It's just... It's, it's ridiculous how they just... They look overwhelmed. Their players... I'm not saying they're not good enough, but... They, they just don't look good enough for the Premier League right now. Yeah, it's not been great for uh, Sheffield. I, I really feel for the fans after they felt like, you know, th- they did exactly what you want them to do, which is have a good season last year, put together some good, you know, pieces, start making your way to continue from there. Uh, and instead it's, it's regressed, uh, terribly. Like it is regressed. I I don't tremendously. What were they like 10th place last year and through, and we, and we said that they would have to win like 18 of their remaining games last week, um, to get to the same points they were last year. So the fact that you only have one point after after a third of the season almost a quarter of the season is is very rough and i think we're closer to them breaking that record than we are them getting out of relegation zone as bad as it sounds i i think they're closer to to breaking the record of having the fewest points then they are on actually climbing out of the hole that they're in, which uh, has got to be absolutely brutal for the fans. Um, 
I'm sure they, they're probably devastated and just can't even believe the situation that they're in right now. Um, any other thoughts uh, on that uh, on this game before we move on? No, I don't think that's... Uh, I mean, the, yeah. they do... Yeah. <laughs> they, they have a hell of a stretch coming up, too. I just looked. Southampton away. Manchester United at home. Brighton, who's played pretty well. And then Everton. And then they get a break with Burnley. But then they jump right back to Newca- or, uh, Crystal Palace. And then they've got a cup game. Newcastle. And then January ends with Tottenham, Manchester United, and Man City. <laughs> so, uh, wow. yeah, I think the record is, I think it's in shot here. What is it, nine, did we say? I think. Um, yeah, it's nine or 11. I can't remember which exactly it was. The 11. It's 11 11's points. The, 11 is right? the uh, record. Yeah, and Very. they've got one. Uh, so they're well on pace. <laughs> oh, they're well on pace, unfortunately. <laughs> Let's talk about another team that is uh, struggling and is unfortunately in that relegation zone. My manager of the year pick, Mikel Arteta. Um, look, let me just preface this by saying, at the beginning of the season, this wasn't a hot take, okay? Like, a lot of people were saying it. Uh, uh, they had, he just won an FA Cup at Community Shield. They turned it around last season. So I'm just prefacing that there because uh, they have been awful, uh, very bad. 13 minutes into this game against Tottenham, which finishes 2-0 to Spurs, uh, Sun just continues his form, assisted by Harry Kane there. 40, 45th minute plus one stoppage time. Harry Kane scores to make it 2-0 and assisted by Sun. And that's it. Like uh, Spurs actually only had 30% of the possessions. Arsenal had 70. Arsenal had 11 shots to Tottenham's five shots. But it just didn't matter. This is your typical Jose match. Uh, get the get the win. Play defense. Get out of there. They're top of the league uh, on goal differential over Liverpool. Uh, let's go with... Um, Logan here, which team do you want to take on here? What what team are you do you want to talk about? And I'll let Matt talk. Uh, you know what? I'll give you Spurs, and Matt can talk about boring Arsenal. Uh, so, your yeah, thoughts on on Tottenham and uh, how they've gotten to top of the league? Yeah, so I think one is Regulon is is a huge addition to their side. Um, I think he's really kind of just shored up that back four that Mourinho plays. And again, I think tactically, I think he is the same manager he's always been. He likes to park that bus. He likes to counter. And with Harry Kane and son who are extremely quick, um, you can get out and go on the counter. And I think that's what he waits for. They wait for those opportunities and their passing is just insane. Um, the things that they can create together. I, I, I wish I had the stat here, how many goals they've combined. I think every goal that Harry Kane has, he's combined with some son in some way, um, which is really impressive or he's, there's been one goal he hasn't. Uh, but again, they just seem to be able to pluck defenses apart. Not saying that Arsenal uh, is much of a defense and Arsenal played right into their hands. It's the first time I think Arteta switched back to that back three. And, and that just, I mean, against a team that in party, um, you know, playing him uh, opposite who who was hurt and is a hurt again now. Um, 
he was just asking for it, I think, with Spurs, just because when you play a back three and those midfielder, you know, mid defenders can't get a hold of the, the quickness of Kane or Son, it just turns into spells of disaster for them. And you saw it pretty quickly uh, with Son, and then Kane does his thing. And it, it is, it's simply, you know, Mourinho doing Mourinho things. Uh, do I think that they can hang at the top of the table like they are? I think it'll all matter on can they get some can they get some attack going from anybody else but those two because if something were to happen because Sun got hurt with hamstring I think but if something happens to either of them uh, you could see them drop pretty far down the table I think just because I don't know if they have anything else there to rescue them obviously Gareth Bale I think was just a a feel-good signing. It doesn't seem that he's going to be much of a part of Tottenham, at least for the near future, because he just sits over there, collects dust at this point. Um, but Watch again, his golf. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why they made such a huge deal. I, I mean, I thought it was going to pan out pretty well and he would play well, but it doesn't seem like he's ever going to play. Um, just because I don't they, know. If they he might fits just that be. System. They might just be still working him in. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I could see but, that. Uh, but he's been especially there, well, if if something were to happen uh, as well, I think right. they might be fine with with Bale. Yeah, but again, I think Tottenham is definitely one of the top five teams, but I'm not sure they're the top team in the Premier League, especially with Liverpool and Chelsea playing the way that they are currently. I just don't see Tottenham being able to stick with those two, not yet. All right. Um... Matt, Arsenal, what's uh, what's going on there? Why are they so boring? I don't know. Uh, sorry, I was asleep thinking about them. Um, <laughs> you told me you wouldn't fall asleep. <laughs> uh, Should have given him Arsenal. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to keep saying, oh, they're boring, but they are. They, they don't create, and when you're big signing, even if party was healthy, I'm not even sure he'd be making like a huge difference in terms of that creation. Um, Ozil is probably the only one you could probably throw in there to get some sort of attacking in there into it. I don't know if Arteta's, I don't know if he's just out of his depth right now. And, you know, he just, he just doesn't know how to, to do it or, or I, I feel like he definitely can manage. I mean, like we've said, he, he won the FA cup last year. He has beat, a lot of the, you know, he's beaten Manchester City in the FA Cup. He's beaten Arsenal in the, or not, he's beaten Liverpool in the Community Shield. Um, you know, they they beat a Liverpool team. Chelsea that, in the FA Cup. Yeah, Chelsea in the FA Cup. Like, they have, they've beaten these teams. And I don't know if it's just like one of those, you know, this, I feel like some teams just play better in competitions. Like, Liverpool are not very good in the FA Cup and Carabao Cup. I just... I never expect them to make a run. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just how Klopp handles it. Maybe Arteta puts a little more effort into these, into these cup competitions instead of the the league in Europe. But I mean, I can't imagine that would be the case. So, just like what's happening with this team, and I don't know. It's, it's like Aubameyang. Just even he's not doing anything. You know, they signed him to that big big new deal, and Werner has more scoring. than him. <laughs> and he and he misses a lot of sitters. <laughs> I think Gabrielle might have more than him at this point. If, yeah, yeah, at least probably true. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like he, I don't know if it's you know, William has definitely not played very well. He hasn't exactly made a difference. Lacazette is 
he can play like 50 minutes and then it feels like he's just tired and he's like, I need to, I need a breather. And then that's, after that's that, why I just... told everybody that they could take, uh, that's why I told them that they could take, uh, <laughs> William. It's it. I don't know what to, you know, watching it. It's, it's, it's almost in a way somewhat disappointing to see them struggle this much. Like it gets to a point where it's not even kind of, you know, it's like, in a way you would think maybe it would be kind of fun to be like, Oh yeah, Arsenal struggle. Now it's like, okay, like, can they start actually, you know, playing well? Because I know in our instance, like as Manchester city and Chelsea and, and Liverpool, we're going to want them to, you know, beat up on some of these teams or, you know, beat the other teams. And it's just, they're just rolling over, you know, they're not, they're, they're struggling and I don't see how it's going to improve. I think that's the hardest part. What, what can actually happen to improve? Is it signing somebody in January? Unless there's some magic in, you know, the the team pockets. I who are they going to sign in January? That's going to want to come to a team in the lower mid half of a table, and you know, a Europa League. Like they're not going to get anybody big, so they're going to. It's it's just going to be a struggle, and they might end up really shocking people and ending out of Europe, European football, which I think in that case, you have to start wondering if Arteta shouldn't be managing them next year because at that point, who they're not going to get anybody big, so they're not going to sign anyone. And then it's just going to be in, it's going to be Liverpool before Klopp on, and Rodgers, basically. And they're just not going to That's exactly what I was going to say. This reminds me of the Liverpool before, you know, where everybody talked about how great they were in the past and they haven't really done much since then. But even then, Liverpool weren't usually down in like 15th this far into no. a season. I think um, I think the the way the season's run, I think, plays a, a little bit of a role in that, though, with how crazy the year has gone. Because you have all these crazy results. And I think I do think that plays a role into it. So I, I don't think in a normal year they would be this far down. But I also don't think they would be much further up. Like I, I think you would have definitely seen improvement, but not the improvement you might expect. And there, I unless somebody can come up with some weird scenario, I, I don't know where they. How do you improve them? There's not. Party's the main player who's hurt, but he's defensive. And like I said, nobody who is a talent is really gonna assign for them in January, even if they were available. Like, why would you go to them? And I, I don't see how something has to happen to make sure they don't fall into that cycle. I mean, they're lucky that, you know, full-on Burnley, West Brom, Sheffield are so bad because they're only on 13 points. They're three points above Brighton. They're only seven points above Burnley in 18th uh, spot there. So, I mean, this is uh, some dangerous territory here uh, for them. Logan, is there any shot they could get pulled into this relegation battle? Yeah, so over their next five games they play Southampton Everton City and Chelsea um, City they play against in the Carabao um, they also have to play Brighton and Burnley so so they're playing four really good teams that they can't they're not going to really because I imagine Arsenal is going to go for the Carabao just because I think it's going to be something that Arteta can be like hey look what I did I won another cup um, and it's like what we talked about last year. Do you, I mean, do you go all out for these cups if you're a team like Arsenal? Um, and now you really do. I think you see that go after the cups. But again, Southampton, Everton, and Chelsea on, on docket for 
December to, to wrap out December is not something that they're probably looking forward to. And if they lose against Burnley, which is their next match, uh, which I think is next Sunday, um, but uh, it, <laughs> then you're really going to see them sweat. Because uh, I think, honestly, I think Fulham is starting to play better. Yeah, they don't have a good stretch coming up, but uh, I think Fulham's playing a lot better now than they were um, that we gave them credit for. Uh you could see Arsenal because Brighton's playing pretty well too. So, I mean, you know, and when you really look at the table, um, if I rattle out the names in front of them, right in their immediate vicinity, I think that these teams are better than them. I think Leeds is right now better than they are. I think Newcastle's played a lot better than they have. Aston Villa is definitely better than they are. Palace played better. And then you get the Wolves and they're way better. So I, I, (laughs) It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see, you know, how this shakes out. And uh, maybe not for the Arsenal fans. I was say not if you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dad. Uh, it's not going so great. Um, yeah, it's it's shocking. Like, and and I, I kind of like Logan's thing of like, hey, I, I you know, hey, I want a cup. You know, I, I like imagine it like a cartoon of him just going, hey guys, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Um, look what like, I did. I, Don't look at the fifteen. Yeah, like, Don't look at the fifteen. That's like a and it, and that's the crazy part is like that that happened with Liverpool, you know Daglish he won I think it was the FA Cup or maybe it was Carabao like he Carabao he would win some cups yeah he he would win them, but you know a, a team like Arsenal like that's not I know that you know their big big years of success were you know a little further back but you know a team like them the fans aren't gonna the fans are not gonna be okay with that if that continues. And eventually, Arteta is either going to have to take responsibility and go, listen, this is my fault. I'm going to fix it. Or they're going to have to get rid of them. And I, I know it's it feels weird because all these teams are hiring, you know, like former players. And I almost sometimes think it makes it harder to fire them because I think teams look at that and go like, oh, we can't we can't fire him. You know, he's a legend. Well, it's not like he was an Arsenal legend. He played more at Everton than he ever did for for Arsenal. Hey, really? Yeah, I actually didn't know that. Um, I don't know. It's just it. He's he's in a bad situation right now, and he needs to change something tactically. They they cannot continue to play like this. They need to start risking. You know, at least at least with like Brendan Rodgers. You know, Liverpool had these types of things where you know they went through these stretches where they were like can't beat even the worst of teams, but you know they at least made the game exciting. You know, they would score five goals, they'd give up six. You know, it's it's it was awful, but. It gave you something to watch and like go. Well, if we just get a defense, you know, if we just get this, I don't even feel like I'm watching them going. Well, if they get a goal scorer, you know, they're definitely going to turn it around because they need a goal scorers. They need midfielders that create. They need. They need some. Bellerin needs to learn how to do a throw in because I've read that he's had like five of them penalized for not being. Um, for not being like legal, I guess. Like they, they just have they have a lot they need and. Arteta is going to have to do something about it. Yeah, Arteta played for Everton for six years, Arsenal for five years. Um, it's a really unfortunate career. <laughs> he also played for Rangers and and the Barcelona lower teams and and Real Sociedad. Uh, but uh, I think part of the issue why he was picked is not just of his tie to Arsenal, but his tie to Pep Guardiola, a uh, Pep Guardiola who. Uh, Kind of vouching, vouching for uh, for Arteta. He was an assistant at Man City from 2016 to 2019, 
And he's supposed to be, you know, people saying that, oh, he's he's coming from that Guardiola school of of management. And uh, so far, it doesn't really show much, much kind there. Of like, kind of like Trump University at this point. I was gonna liken it to the uh, the Bill Belichick school of uh, coaching, <laughs> where none of them have been successful other yeah. than him, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. The Dolphins have the 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 Dolphins got got one that might be so easily, but, yeah. But yeah, no, like that. It's a you good mean, point because not not like what Bill O'Brien and uh, what was the other Matt, uh, Patricia Patricia, <laughs> Patricia yeah. Romeo Cornell Charlie yes. Weiss. Oh. Hell, what's his name? Couldn't even leave um, Daniels. He couldn't even leave the team. Yeah. Um, Colts were no, like, I mean, nah, that's... dude, you need to resign. <laughs> but like, that, that's a really good point. Like, it, is he is he just big? Is he a big name because of who he he coached under? Like, is he is is his only accolade right now? Is it just being Pep's understudy? Because is that really enough? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, he yeah, did not have a senior management job until no. Arsenal. So that's right. that's part of the problem, I think. And that's what, uh, you know, at least with Frank, he coached at Derby uh, for a year or two before he jumped up to Chelsea. But that's also why I was worried about Frank going to Chelsea, is that if, if you don't have somebody that's been managing for, you know, a bit, whether it's like, this is why what Steven Gerrard did was good, right? He went to Scotland. He's at Rangers, right? And he's just, he's putting in the time with a team that is not as high of a level. It's a bigger club than a lot of these teams, but like level of play wise, uh, he can, you know, you can put your time in there instead of being thrusted, you know, Arteta's handed Arsenal, uh, because of how bad Unai Emery was and uh, how, you know, he was Pep's understudy, it seems like. This is how he gets the job, and he just hasn't actually managed yet. And, I mean, even Zidane, you know, had coached Real Madrid B for a bit. You know, he has nothing on his record, it seems, that uh, stems from, you know, stems from actual management. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who they place in that spot. I mean, you can't fire him right now, right? Why not? I mean, I guess you can't, but my my another question I have is there's managers out there. Where is uh where's Mauricio Ponchettino? Ponchettino? Where is he? <laughs> is he alive? I saw he scored. How is I nobody saw he picking for, him up? Like uh, Valencia or something. Yeah. Like, there was a guy named Pochettino that scored from some club that got retweeted, and I saw him. I was like, oh, there he it's is. He's playing. Is it? Okay. So, yeah. I he, think he so. Might help. Yeah, so I don't know. But either you know, Pochettino it, or Sarri or somebody. Yeah, he, he may not actually want to go to Arsenal, you know, whatever. He probably has other options. But there, there's got to yeah, be. Why would you want to go to that mess? Because <laughs> at least you can say, I'm the one that can turn around. If you fail, you're like, well, this club was just in very bad shape as it was. I mean, it's kind of a no-lose no, no lose situation, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think when there's other managers out there and you have somebody that hasn't actually coached, yes, he got your FA Cup, but now you're wondering, like, okay, but can you turn it back on, please? Like, if, I, if I'm Arsenal's board, 
this is part of the problem with I, I know people were always calling for Arsene Wenger, Wenger to leave, and uh, my dad was too, and I agreed with him because he wasn't doing anything for a bit, for a long stretch of years, but he was consistently getting that top four. Um, then, you know, they moved on to other people, and it becomes kind of like United after Ferguson, where you might have higher highs with winning trophies than some of the, some of what you had with, with Wenger, but now you're very experiencing the lowest lows where you're in 15th place and it's not looking so hot. And it's that, it's that dilemma of what do you want? Do you want trophies? Do you want consistency? Obviously you would want what Wenger started out as and what Ferguson ultimately was just consistent trophies. Right. But I think at this point, if at the end of the season this doesn't get, I don't know, I how high do you think they can even get at this point? I'd say by the end of the season, he, he even if you don't fire him during the season, it's probably parting ways at the end of this season, right? I mean, there's, I could understand no. not doing it like because he just won the cup before and you're giving him the benefit of the doubt and COVID and transfers and all that kind of stuff, but. Looking forward mm-hmm. now, if they if if they try to bring in people in January and they still don't go anywhere, it might be like okay, this is just not working, and you don't want it to get even worse. I, you, it is interesting to think where where would they finish? They're not they're not better than Liverpool. They're not better than Man City. They're not better than Chelsea. They're not better than Leicester. They're not better than um, United. They're not better than Tottenham. That's already six places. Right. And They're definitely not better what, than Southampton this year. And what? Is, I is think seventh La- the furthest? Is seventh the furthest the Europa League spot could end up? Or could there end up being an eighth if things go uh, right? I guess if things go right, and let's say Tottenham wins the Champions uh, Europa League that they're in. Let's say Liverpool wins the Champions League. Then that's two spaces that are going further down to seventh place and i guess if uh like southampton also wins the or leicester also wins the fa cup that can go down another spot yeah i guess you could theoretically go eight or nine spots depending on how these trophies end up but but i'm not sure they're there i was gonna say i mean who like i don't think they're better than well wolves i'm intrigued because without raul uh jimenez the rest of the year i actually could see them Mm -hmm. Um, because they definitely didn't look compared to what they were prior to that uh, injury and what they looked like against Liverpool, which I know Liverpool's can be different than some teams, but even then Wolves have always played Liverpool well, Um, but they just did not look up to the challenge. But like Logan said, Southampton, honestly, like Southampton looked better. Um, Everton, I know they're struggling right now, but you could make an argument they're better. You could even make... What other teams Crystal are Pal- right now? Crystal Palace is definitely yeah. like Crystal Palace is eleventh. I think with Zaha, if he stays, put I like if you if you look at Arsenal, like where are they getting? If if Aubameyang's not scoring, they're not getting any goals. Like Gabriel, and I looked it up too. I looked it up in the league. The highest scoring for them right now is three goals, and that's Lacazette. As a team, they have four people in all competitions leading with four goals. So they're just not scoring. And last year they finished in eighth place 
and above them was Wolves, Tottenham, Leicester, Chelsea, United, City, Liverpool. Most of those teams are above them this year. If they get, I, I, they probably finish eight or ninth again. Do you stick with it? If that's if they can get that high, they have to go on a run, right? But I mean, it's still early. They're at thirteen points, while you know United in sixth place here are at nineteen points. So they're six points behind United, but United have a game in hand. Right, so they are almost like twelve points behind United. That's four wins, or, or nine points. That's like three wins that Arsenal have to churn out. That one of those teams start slipping, but not looking great right now. They can obviously turn it on. They could probably finish. I think the highest you can finish right now would be eighth or ninth. I would realistically, agree mathematically, they could finish first, but. <laughs> realistically <laughs> i'm thinking eight or nine here <laughs> yeah that just doesn't cut it like there's no way like and hassan awar i laugh at that rumor all the time because there's no way he leaves leon for for a what is a shell of whatever that club is i mean if i'm awar i'm looking at you know i i want I mean, city to come get me i want everton to come get go. me yeah, but right. I, I just don't see. I, I don't see a war. That was before the start of the season. They just won the FA. Cup. Well, it was like right at the beginning of the season. They had just won an FA Cup and Community Shield. He's probably like, "All right, this is not bad." It's trouble. Like <laughs> they're in a lot of trouble. Good lord. Let's move on and talk about the last two games here before we run out of time. Liverpool uh, four, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Uh, we have uh, 24 minutes in, Mo Salah scoring. Uh, Wijnaldum scores a really great goal 58 minutes in to make it 2-0. Matt Tipp scores to make it 3-0. Uh, an own goal by Nelson Semedo gets it uh, 4-0. There was a penalty called here for Wolverhampton that was then overturned. So let's talk a little bit about that because that's going to become kind of a key point in definitions that we're going to be talking about here for the next match. Um, so this was uh, who was it? Mane going up for the ball at the same time as as this player. He extends his leg uh, out Cody. almost. Oh, Cody! Uh, it was that was the uh, Wolverhampton player, right, Cody? Yeah, yes, Cody. Cody, former uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool boy, born in Liverpool. So he sticks his leg out, Mane, right? Um, almost like uh, a bicycle yeah. kick, right? Where yeah, he's falls, falling backwards. Yeah, falls up in the air, and he it's coming down, and he puts his leg out at the same time. Cody is putting his leg forward, and he pulls his leg out before it. It hits yeah. Cody, so there's no surprisingly contact. how fast he was able to do that because of how he's a fast man. Yeah, that's that was <laughs> that's really impressive because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, this looks like a penalty." And then when you see the angle where there's actually no contact, you're like, "Man, that was uh, no contact." And this is where uh, the clear and obvious comes into it. This is a subjective call, right? A foul in the box is subjective. Uh, same thing with handball, red cards, etc. So the ref says, oh, this is a foul, in my opinion. I'm going to give a penalty. And VAR says, you might want to check this out here because it looks like this guy doesn't even touch, which would be the clear and obvious error of 
there was no touching, uh, then he dove, then it's not a penalty. You can't cause a foul if you're not touching or colliding or, you know, whatever. So they get this one right. They've reversed that. Game finishes 4 nothing. Uh, we'll come back to penalties in a minute here. But, uh, Matt, your thoughts on Liverpool 4-0 over Wolves? Because I still think that this is the best team in the Premier League here is Liverpool. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, they they do play exceptionally well, especially with Klopp. And I, I do think the fans being there, it's from what I heard, even Wolves fans are saying it was 2,000, but it sounded like 15,000. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's going to help. And being at Liverpool is definitely makes that game a little different. Um, honestly, one of the biggest developments, I think, with Liverpool recently with all these injuries is how – some of their youth players have stepped up. Uh, Curtis Jones, who's right now three, one of only four midfielders healthy um, with Ox, Thiago, Shakiri, Milner all out. Um, you know, he stepped up when even Kato was out with that group and it was only 19 and he's played incredibly well alongside Henderson and, and Jeannie. Um, and the, honestly, the biggest one that happened over this past week was Kelleher. Um, Honestly, the way you say his name is not even close. I, I, he's he's got an Irish name, and the way he says it is not even Kelleher. I think it, um, he out of nowhere started their game against Ajax. Uh, he was always the third string. He'd only played in like those FA Cup, Carabao Cup games where you have all the youth players playing, and he started instead of Adrian. And honestly, it, it's definitely been a big deal. Uh, with, with all these injuries and some of these guys stepping up. So him coming in, Jones coming in, Nico Williams coming in for Trent. You know, it it feels like the rough stretch is ending for Liverpool with injuries, with with what they can expect back. They have a midweek game against Midland that means literally nothing. They can lose seven to nothing, and it's not going to change anything. Um, so they can rest players and then they get Fulham where hopefully they get, you know, Allison might be back and Shaq and Milner. <clears throat> so it looks like they're, if things can go well, they can be pretty healthy before Tottenham. Um, but it, I mean, it's just, it is showing the, how good of a coach Klopp is that he can take players like this and get results and impressive results where you do see managers like Arteta with, really not many injuries and he's struggling to, you know, score goals. So I, I there's definitely a, a managerial difference and in, in Klopp showing it more so than ever this year. Uh, Logan, any thoughts here? Uh, you know, Wolves without uh, Jimenez, they sold, uh, they've sold Jota. Uh, can they uh, stay kind of up in the middle top, Top middle of the Premier League. Uh, I, I think they're. I mean, without Jimenez, I think you you see a team that, like Matt said, you they don't they're not going to be able to score as well, and, and that's been the theme of the year. Uh, I mean, if you can't score, uh, it's such a high scoring game. They're high scoring matches, and they're they're, you know, they, they need somebody at the top. And I'm not Tra- I'm not sure Traore can really hold a candle to anything that the those two would have done. Um, and Joe is a huge loss, as you see. But again, I'm just more and more convinced that it doesn't matter who Klopp plays with, who he has, you know, at his disposal. 
they just win. And that that's a testament to him. I, I think that the players are good players, but I don't think that, you know, they're not these huge names that you look around the league and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Mane and, and um, you know, James Milner and God, Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold and just, you know, these names aren't huge names, but God, they can just, it doesn't matter who he plays with. It doesn't matter what he's got. Robertson, uh, you know, Van Dyke goes down. That's their best player. That's the household name. And hell, he can beat anybody without him. Um, it's going to be tough, but I think that, you know, again, it speaks a lot to Klopp. Agreed. So the final match of the weekend was today on a Monday. Uh, Brighton uh, versus Southampton. Uh, 26 minutes in, it's a penalty for Pascal Gross. He converts it to make it 1-0 Brighton. Then 45 minutes in, Yannick Vestergaard, uh, Vestergaard makes it 1-1. And then 81 minutes in, a penalty for Danny Ings, who converts it. And this is where the controversy kind of came into the it here. And I think we figured it out from Premier League's website. No thanks to any pundits on Twitter or uh, TV. Because um, a lot of the stuff I saw was, uh, so, so let's just, we were talking about it before, subjective cause, right? as what we were just talking about with the Liverpool game. Subjective call is a call the ref makes where it pertains to a foul and uh, handball, red card, etc. This call was not a subjective call. While it is a foul, the reason why this one... So let's run it through for everybody. There was a foul that was originally deemed outside the box that the ref called. Then it gets reviewed for like a half hour. That's an exaggeration. It was it was oh, too long. Still, probably three three or four minutes. Um, they they then deem it's a penalty. So everybody started spouting off clear and obvious. You know, like I saw that on you know Jamie Carricker saying it on their TV over there. I saw uh, commentators over here saying it. I saw you know. Um, other people associate with the sport saying it. And what I need to clarify here is because uh, Dale Johnson of ESPN, who does all of our stuff, he said that this was not one that would affect uh, affect it because it's factual. So then I had to dig deeper on what that means. So I went to the Premier League website, and they have all their VAR rules, and they have factual ones here. And uh, what a factual uh, one is, uh, let's see, I have it right here. Um, factual is whether a player is onside or offside or inside or outside the penalty area it is not subject to the clear and obvious test so in this case the ref had already called the foul he had already made his subjective decision that it was a foul if the foul starts outside the box but continues into the box, it is a penalty. So that's what they were reviewing. The ref says it's a foul, and they see, oh, we got the spot wrong. They look at it and say it carried into the box. It's now a penalty. So that had nothing to do with clear and obvious. That, But I don't know why it still took them, like, an hour to review. It took, uh, I don't know, it took so long, even though it doesn't seem to, you know... 
the first time or second time I saw it, I was able to see that it carried into the box. So I'm not sure if they were looking at other stuff. We don't get to hear those conversations, obviously. But let me just tell you, I'm a little frustrated, Logan. I'm a little frustrated here because if I can easily find that on the Premier League's website, why are Jamie Carricker, you know, all these commentators, all these people constantly bringing up clear and obvious when this and some decisions like offside, we always heard about the offside ones too, but that's deemed a factual one because you're either are or are not offside that clear and obvious doesn't play. So even if you're a millimeter offside, they're calling it offside. Why do they keep spouting this when they're the paid uh, commentators? I think a lot of it has to do with subjectivity and that word and that use of that word, uh, clear and obvious. The, the, it's the verbiage of the, the law itself, I think. I think that everybody's got their own interpretations of it, but the Premier League has still yet, and after all this stuff, you know, I've been always looking around to see if they have any clarifications. Even the Premier League hasn't released much of a statement that said, you know, what we're thinking here is why we're thinking this. I mean, hell, maybe it's even like that Gene Van, the Stanch tour or whatever his name is on Fox football that they have on there that can tell people like, hey, this is what the, the bar ref is looking at or, hey, this is what the rule, like this is what they're thinking here at bar. But I think because it's just a nuance to the game, it's it, it just doesn't, I think people have such different viewpoints of what clear and obvious is and some of them hate the tech so they go against the tech and then some of them like the tech uh, and go against it. And, and you know, I, I think it is. I think it's the letter of the law that, that is confusing to people. And I think that it's allowing people to have subjectivity in a sports call that, um, you know, whenever subjectivity comes in, like whenever somebody says subjective to something like I, I think of just the fact that this person's making an opinion, not fact. And like you said, I think that you know, these factual calls are easy because the evidence is there and you need to get it right. But these ones that are like a toss up seem to be the ones that have screwed everybody up because I think that there's different laws that apply to different rules. And I love what Martin Tyler says because he, he was commenting in the game and he goes, well, actually, to be to be frank with you guys, the more I look at it, the more I see problems with it. Like now I see the penalty now that I've seen it about 800 times. And, and he was kind of making light of the fact that he'd been on there forever and that they were waiting for three or four minutes for the call. But I think that even the more and more you look at it, the more convinced you become of one view rather than the other. And, and then I think that's where people get wrong is because they've seen it so many times. They think that they're right because they don't understand how it's being used effectively. Matt, uh, your thoughts at all on uh, VAR, I guess? I know Liverpool is like the most affected by VAR when you look at the numbers negatively impacted by VAR. But uh, now that we kind of clarified the subjective, objective, factual, whatever, I just wish people would say this stuff on air. Like, why... why it's their job. How are they not like I was able to just go to Premier League.com. I'm frustrated. Well, it's but it's also weird because I unless I recall it, like you have all these instances and, and not even the Premier League's really coming out. That's another problem, is that and I feel like it's in a lot of different sports, even you know, the sports over here, is that they don't really ever come out after games going, This is why this was called. And I think if they started doing that then the subjectivity portion of that 
would start being followed more. However, I, I really don't recall a time. The first time I ever even heard of it was when you just brought it up um, in our text, our group text. I, I didn't know subjectivity was the point because, again, all you hear is constantly clear and obvious right. error. And I, to kind of what Logan said, when you watch something enough, you eventually see the clear and obvious error. The problem is, is that if you have to watch it six, seven times, it, it really isn't clear and obvious until you finally see it. And then it's like one of those scenarios where you, now you see it, you can't stop seeing it. Um, and so it's, they need to, I, they need to start becoming more open to just like be, becoming more open into why they make the decision. They need to start giving either the fans, they need to give the writers that there needs to be something. Liverpool are still waiting for the officials to let tell them why Van Dyke's uh, tackle, the Pickford Van Dyke tackle, why that hadn't had gone any further. They actually sent for like them to give them some sort of investigation and Premier League hasn't gotten back to them. So they, they are not being very open to critique. They're not being very open to response. They just, they let it happen. And then when you do that, you're going to, of course, have every single instance of this is now going to become modified and you're going to look as far deep as you possibly can into it. And they really need to start becoming more open to giving fans a heads up as to why this happened. Because if you started going, well, in terms of the rule here, this is why we call it, then you would stop with all the, even the pundits. They would be like, okay, well, there you go. They, they told us why this is how it went. And I think that's really all they need to do so this stops. But it doesn't seem like they're willing to do that. It seems like they're kind of stuck in the mud with where they're at, and that's it's causing issues. Um, like I said, I, I really feel like the, if you were to take a look at five to six plays a game and you were just stop play, look at them seven, eight times on a replay, slow it down, zoom in, you would probably find five to six penalties a game. And I, I think that's a problem in terms of how you need to determine when to use VAR, why to use VAR, and how it can be appropriately used and, I guess, explained to the, to the casual fan, the you know, expert fan, the writer. It, it just, there, there needs to be more than the players yelling at refs on the pitch. And all you can go is, oh, I, I think I heard him say, uh, you know, F that guy. Like, you, that, that, we can't do that because that's something that doesn't really help us in terms of why this was made the decision. We just have to, it's open for interpretation. And, you know, Dale Johnson does a great job of interpreting most of these VAR calls. However, as good as he does at it, he's not making the call. So he doesn't really know what was said between right. the VAR ref, between the on-field ref. You know, he can interpret as much as he wants, but what if, I, I heard Jamie Carragher say that when he gets told to go over to the the uh, screen, he's not actually looking at it to make his own call. He's basically told by the VAR ref, you were wrong, go take a look at it, and then you're going to see why you were wrong, and then that's it. So he's not even going to look at it again. I've heard that that's what, because Carragher said he was uh, at one of the games, you know, prior to obviously everything happening, he was by the monitor, and that's that's what he heard the, the ref say. Obviously, again, it's open for interpretation, but I don't, I guess I don't see a reason why he would sit there and, and bash it that poorly and just say like, because every time he goes to the monitor, I don't think I've seen them stick with the call. So, and they don't really look at the monitor that long to really zoom in and go, okay, I definitely see it. I definitely see it. They look at the monitor 
they play a replay, they go back, and the call's now changed. So what's being said, and why is this happening? And they just need to be more out with it. They can't, they can't keep this, or you're going to have fans and players just – it's going to be a never-ending cycle like this. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I just find it frustrating, like uh, like I said, that this is one of the first times I've also heard about the factual part where, you know, you have to look up which ones are factual, which ones are subjective, which ones are part of the clear and obvious errors, which ones are not, because I just felt like there's so mis- much inf- misinformation about it, where we've been kind of led to think that that some of these calls that make sense then, that are, that are factual, are being implement it incorrectly because it's not clear and obvious when actually those don't it doesn't apply to them so it's just kind of like well i wish somebody would have told me that earlier you know i shouldn't have to go on the website uh maybe maybe they do maybe the uh the announcers have to go on there and read all of that um now i feel like this is an issue in every sport every league etc everybody always complains about the officiating in every sport in every league in the world uh sometimes they're a little bit more open about it you know the nfl at least they have the mic they come over and they say what the call was uh they say if it's confirmed or if it just stands you know you kind of know exactly what's going on there with with soccer we just get the hand motions part of that i think is probably language right there's so many different players on the pitch that speak so many different languages you can't just have them turn on a mic like they do in the NFL and say what it is. But if they could somehow have the VAR booth relay it to all of the broadcasters, what? a little bit could, more clear. But you, you make, you make a, a point though with the NFL, they don't need to do, they, they could just do the motions because most NFL fans could tell you what the penalty is just by the hand motion. So why don't they do something similar where they do the hand motion while also saying it, saying, I was talking. I was talking more. I was talking more about when they come back from a replay because that they don't usually have any hand motions. It's just like, you know, we checked it. The call was confirmed, or the call stands. The call overturned. While like here, they just point to what it is, right? Like when when they do that Mane penalty that got overturned because of um, the dive. The ref just points as a free kick, right? Like, so, but it, it, there's nobody there saying, like, turn on the mic and say, well, we actually saw there's no contact. So, like, you still want to know if you're in the stands what the call was because you're not seeing the replays clearly. So you're just thinking, all right, maybe it wasn't a foul. Like, you don't, you don't know that there was no contact at all, that it was clear and obvious there's no contact. I don't know. I just think it's tough to. Um, I, I think it's tough. They they obviously could do it. I think they're too worried about you know all of their media partners and broadcasters and stuff like that that would have to um, either interpret what's being said if it's not in English and you know um, like if it's a German broadcast of the Premier League and the ref is talking, then you would have to have somebody be able to. Uh, you know, explain what just happened. Um, I don't know. Uh, my my thoughts are, you know, I, I wish that there was at least just some way, either after the game, if these refs took actual questions, 
you know, if they had press conferences, the players are forced to do press conferences. The coaches are forced to do press conferences. Make the refs. Why is it in every sport, in every country, the refs never have to face the media? They're always shrouded. And if you ever talked bad about them in public, you get fined. Why, why can't we criticize them the way that, you know, why can't they own up to their mistakes? Why can't they talk to us on a level that says, hey, this is what I saw without us having to try to dig in deep or have somebody interview or get some sort of going through the whole facility of VAR itself or the referee association. Just just have them have to make a, a, uh, a press conference. Every sport, every, every country, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to kind of get factual, you know, answers right off the bat. But that's about it. Um, the the Premier League table, we alluded to it. Tottenham's in first. Liverpool in second. They're tied on points. Uh, Chelsea in third with 22 points. Leicester in fourth with 21. Southampton in fifth with 20. Then you get United and City back-to-back uh, -back there. Arsenal, as we stated, down in 15th. And the bottom of the table, 20th, is Sheffield United with their one point. West Brom is in 19th with six points. And Burnley in 18th with six points. Fulham just above that was seven. And uh, goals. Still Calvert-Lewin. He has scored another one to put himself at 11. And Sun scored to make it 10. Salah scored to make it 9. And so did Vardy, 9. So all of the top four have increased their number by one. So nobody has really gained an advantage there. It stays the same. Uh, matches that are coming up this weekend, uh, Friday Leeds versus West Ham. That's 3 p.m. We have uh, Saturday matches with Wolverhampton Wanderers at 7.30 against Aston Villa. Newcastle at 10 a.m. versus West Brom. Manchester United versus Man City at 12.30. Everton versus Chelsea at 3 o'clock. And then we have Sunday matches... Um, Southampton versus Sheffield at 7 Crystal Palace versus Tottenham at 9.15 Fulham versus Liverpool at 11.30 Arsenal and Burnley at 2.15 and Leicester and Brighton at 2.15 as well uh, I didn't get it all set up for us to do predictions but I will ask predictions for the Manchester Derby let's, let's do that for this week because we're going to have more predictions here for midweek the next week <laughs> Because uh, they have games on the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, and then the 19th, the 20th, and 21st. So we're going to be coming hot and heavy. So, Logan, we'll start with you. Manchester United versus Manchester City. United is above you currently. Uh, your prediction for the Manchester Derby at Old Trafford. Oh, man, this should be illegal. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick Manchester City, uh, if you're not shocked. Uh, and I'm going to say that City beat them 3-1 because I think that Manchester United's defense right now, uh, I'm not sure they can figure out big clubs. Um, so I, I'm thinking City, especially the way that City's starting to score, I, I think it gets them a little confidence. Uh, and I'm going to go 3-1 City. And it's at Old Trafford, so um, if they ever let fans back in, that would have been exciting. But Manchester, I think, is one of the only cities in the whole place that's not allowed, which is always funny to me because, of course, London's allowed to have fans. 
Do we know why that is? Is it like higher in Manchester I, or something? I, I probably I haven't even looked at the infection rates, but that just doesn't seem like that would be right. But who knows at this point? Uh, Matt, your prediction for the Manchester Derby? Ooh, <clears throat> um, being at home, United struggle. I I really don't think I think this is kind of a wake up to United that they aren't in the top tier, even though they've been playing it recently with these comebacks. I don't think you can come back against City. So they, they'll end up down early, and I just don't see them coming back that way. So, you know, I'm really looking at it being City 2-0. I just, United, I, I just don't think United can do it. What was the scoreline you had there? 2-0, uh, 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 City. All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll be the uh, I'll be the rogue one here. I'll go rogue, and I'll go uh, Manchester United, and I'll go three to two. Well, that's just not very nice, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a fun game to watch, though. Yeah, oh, it's gonna be I, and you know what? It'll so probably excited. start out. It'll probably start out two nil City or something, and then you'll have the <laughs> epic comeback again. Yeah. And uh-huh. United will be wearing like their zebra kits or something, yeah. you know, oh, just God. really, really <laughs> put it out that there. That's the happy that that's the twelve thirty game because I've been like, <clears throat> I keep wanting to watch the seven a.m. games every day, mm-hmm. and I, like, I I still wake up that early, but part of me is like, I wish, I wish this game was you know at at noon, so I you know I could be sitting down, have my coffee. You know, watching it, but you can't sit down and have your coffee at seven o'clock. I'm not either. getting out of. I don't get out of bed until <laughs> after the first game. I watch it from my yeah. bed. All right. Well, that about wraps us up here. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of going really long here, so I didn't want to do all those predictions. So. Uh, we'll cut it off here. We have a bunch of stuff coming at you this uh, upcoming week or so because we're going to have so many more games as we get closer to that Christmas crunch. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stoppage Show. Uh, that's the best way to get in touch with us. And we will catch you all next week with more. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.